So Brian calls me and says, hey, would you preach Father's Day? And I thought, why? That's why I brought this with me. Because that Brian, why do you want me to preach Father's Day? Because parenting for me is in the rear view mirror. I'm done, folks. My kids, Cindy and I have three of them. They're raised. They're out on their own. Two out of three are married. They're off the payroll. For the most part, they're off the payroll. And uh, we, we are down the road in parenting. I mean, we're looking in the rearview mirror. It, it's behind us. I mean, you know, parenting adult children is a little different than parenting you know, children. And so we're, we're looking at rearview mirror. We're, we're down the road. So in order to help me out, to, to sort of bring me back to that feeling of being a dad again, you know, in those years, and to help some of you out, I, I want you to do something with me, okay? If you have to close your eyes, that's okay. So dads, I want you to do this. Moms, you can do it. Grandparents, you can do it. Adoptive parents, you can do this. If you don't have children and planning on having children, just imagine what it's going to be like. Okay, but here's what I want you to do. Okay, dads, I want you to think back to when your first child was born. Now, I want you to picture, I want you to picture the room you were in when you first saw your child. Picture the color. Picture the temperature. Picture the other people who were in the room. Can you see it? Reach, reaching back to that old video file. For some of us, it's a very old video file. <laughs> Can you see it? I, I want you to recall the first time you held that child in your hands. Remember that moment? Can you feel the emotion that you felt? It's taking you back, isn't it? And, and, and dads, if you're anything like me, it's in that moment leading up to that moment, shortly after that moment, it's like, doggone it, I'm going to be the best dad the world has ever seen. I'm going to do things with this kid. I'm going to take him to places. I'm going to pour into him. I'm going to show him things that nobody ever showed me. I'm going to teach him. I'm going to have fun with him. I'm going to be the best dad in the world. And, and that's sort of the mentality we have because, hey, we want to be a really, really good dad. But, but then I was, you know, as I hold, held this little child, Brandon, and looked at him the first time as I'm thinking all those things, then that little booger went and turned two. And though he loved me, he didn't listen to me. He didn't always do what I said. Oh, funniest thing, funniest thing. Uh, this is it. Uh, anyway, I'll tell you anyway. So I shouldn't say this. Well, I'm going to anyway, all right? So, so the other day we were with him and Brandon has two now. And I was watching him parent and one of his is two years old. And I was watching him parent and he was struggling. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. I'm sitting back going, how's he going to handle this? I'm not going to help him. Nobody helped me. Why should I help him, right? <laughs> It was so funny. But when those little things turn two, that's when we begin to realize parenting's hard. Parenting can, can be really hard. Back in 2003, true story, okay? This really happened to us. Back in 2003, Cindy and I stumbled upon this video parenting curriculum. And, and we took this class with a group of people. It's called Growing Kids God's Way by Gary and Anne-Marie Ezzo. Now, they are known across the United States for being, you know, developing this curriculum, teaching you how to raise children. But not only are they known across the United States, they're known across the world for, you know, this curriculum. 
So they're training parents literally across the world how to be good parents, right? So Cindy and I take this course. We learned a lot. It was really good. But I do remember every time we'd walk away, we're like, doggone. I mean, they are dripping with parental wisdom that we don't have. They had an answer for everything. And a lot of times we would leave laughing because we're like, they're so detailed, They're so disciplined. They're so orderly. They're so organized. They're like the perfect, they've achieved perfect parent status. And and I know I was nowhere near that. And, but we learned a lot from the course, right? So one year later, one year later, I take a job in Charleston, South Carolina, Seacoast Church. And my first day at work at Seacoast Church, it was a Wednesday. It was fact, it was the first Wednesday of the month. You know how I remember that? Because every single first Wednesday, Seacoast does a big worship service. And so it was the first Wednesday and that evening, my first day on the job at this new church, I walk into the auditorium, Cindy and I walk in and we're greeted by this older couple, distinguished looking, friendly, nice. And we recognized them. It's Gary and Anne-Marie Ezzo. They live in Charleston and go to Seacoast Church. So we're having a conversation with them, a little bit starstruck. And they're having this conversation. In the conversation, they find out that we're on staff there now. But they also find out that we don't have anywhere to live. We're looking for temporary housing for for us and our three little kids. And so within five minutes of this conversation, they look at me and they go, you come live with us. You come move in with us. We got a nice big house. Our kids are gone. You come live with us. And so inside my brain is cheering. My brain is going, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. I can be tutored in, in fatherhood, how to be a good dad by Gary Ezzo. And better than that, it's free housing for an unlimited amount of time. I'm like, woohoo, I'm cheering, right? But then there's that other part of my brain. It's called the reptilian brain. It's, 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 it's back here. It's that base part of your brain. And that's where fear comes from. And all of a sudden that part of my brain starts freaking out. Wait a minute. If I say yes, that means I have to parent in front of Gary Ezzo 24 seven. And I know my kids and I know me. I don't know that I want to do that. And so, I mean, you know what we did. We did the right thing. I called them the next day and I politely declined because there is no way in the world I was going to parent in front of Gary Ezzo. No way. So we declined. I would rather pay $200 a a day for a hotel than have to parent in front of of him, right? And so we, we we said no, because here's what I know. Here's what I know. Sometimes I, I don't always parent from a place of wisdom. You know what I'm talking about? There, I want to, I wish I was parent. I wish I could parent from a place of wisdom all the time, but I don't. There are times I parent from a place of emotion. I always said, I did my worst parenting from the front seat of a car, the driver's seat of a car. Stop it, be quiet, stop hitting your sister. You know, I'm trying to reach back, grab them. I did my worst parenting because I would parent from emotion. Sometimes we don't parent from wisdom. We parent from reputation or pride. You know what I'm talking about? You go to grandparents' house. 
all of a sudden you start parenting for your image. Now we don't do that at our house children. And they're looking at you like, yes, we do. We do this all the time. What are you talking about? And you're parenting for reputation. You're parenting for your image. Parenting for your image is just, it's when you parent your kids, not, not, not out of wisdom, but just so you'll look good. We do that. Sometimes we parent from insecurity. We simply parent from insecurity. Now, darling, don't do that. Oh, oh darling, now, come on, honey. And, and, and they deserve a little bit more than that. But we, we parent from insecurity because we want them to like us. We don't want to lose that feeling inside that oh, they, don't, they don't like us. So sometimes we parent from insecurity. And so, so I knew I didn't want to parent in front of Gary Ezzo because, you see, I knew I was guilty of all of these. I, I, I'd been guilty of all of these. So this week, as I was preparing for this and looking at Matthew 7, studying that passage in preparation for, for today's message, God struck me with something. There's one thing that just, just grabbed me. It's a question that, that God burned deeply into my soul. It's a question, Dad, that no matter where you're at as a dad, if you're, you know, achieve perfect parenthood, you know, if you're a great dad, if you're a good dad, if you're, if you're a bad dad, you know, it doesn't matter. This, this question can help you get a little bit better as, as a dad. It's a question that I wish I had when I was younger as a father. It's a question that I believe can protect us from some parenting regrets. It's a question that I believe can help us parent from a greater, a greater sense of wisdom. It's a question that I call a rear view mirror question. You ready? Here it is. Are the decisions I'm making, the attitude I'm displaying, and dependence on God that I'm demonstrating, ones that I want to see reflected in my child's life down the road? So guys, here, dads, here, here's what I want us to do. I, I want us to today in this, in this message, I want us to look in the rearview mirror a little bit. Some of you, your parenting is still way in front of you, but you have a vision for your children, right? And, and, and so we're gonna look at the mirror of ourself and we're gonna ask this question, are the decisions I'm making, the attitudes I'm displaying and dependence on God I'm demonstrating, is that what I wanna see in my children's lives when I look in the rearview mirror down the road? Is this what I, are these things in me what I wanna see in them down the road? And so that's what we're going to, to look at today. We're, we're continuing our series of uh, the, the uh, best sermon ever. It's a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Past 13 weeks, you've been going through this series. In fact, I, I, I really think it shouldn't be called, I, I think we should change it. I don't think it should be called the Sermon on the Mount. I think it should be called the Sermon Series on the Mount. Because if you look at it, as you've been doing, you've noticed that Jesus is not covering one topic. In this one long sermon, he's talking about marriage. He's talking about lust. He's talking about divorce. He's talking about promises, loving your enemy, prayer, fasting, worry, trust, generosity. I mean, this is a sermon series that Jesus is giving us. And then in Matthew chapter seven, today's passage, verse 24 through 29, like any good preacher, Jesus wraps up this sermon with a story. Look with me. 
Here's what he says. Therefore, and he's taught all this stuff. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words that I've just been teaching you and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Rain came down, streams rose, wind blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it, it was built on a foundation of a rock. But he contrasts the wise person with this Foolish person, he says, everyone who hears the words of mine does not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who builds his house on sand, their own wisdom, their own insights. The rain came down, streams rose, winds blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Here's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying in this, in this wrap up of this sermon, he's saying, hey guys, I want you to build your life on the wise principles of God's word because when you build your life on the wise principles of God's word, you can withstand whatever life throws at you because you're handling it God's way. Now the key phrase in, those, in that passage right there is look back at it, key phrase, everyone who hears and puts into practice Underline those words. Because you see, it's in the, in the Greek, it's in the continual present tense. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. Those who continually hear my words and continually put them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. I mean, a, a wise man continually listens and continually puts into practice. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey guys, I want you to be characterized by an obedience to the word of God. I, I want that to characterize who you are. Now that's a great message for us, right? But man, what a crucial message for our kids. What a crucial message for our kids in this day, in this age. Because listen, our kids, as they begin to grow up little by little, they're gonna face criticism. They're gonna face negativity. They're going to face bullying. They're going to face teasing. And as they get older, they're going to face rejection. As they get older, they're going to face financial problems. As they get older, they're going to face relationship problems. The, the storms are going to come their way. And if we look at Jesus' words, if their life, if our children's life is not built on the wisdom and the word of God, what's going to happen to their life in the future? And so dads, dads, this is why this is so crucial because you see our job, let me tell you something, dads, you're the greatest disciple maker your child will ever know. You could be the greatest disciple maker your child will ever know. You see, my job as a dad is, is, to, is to help them be independent of me and dependent on God. Over time, they become independent of me and dependent on God. And if for their whole life, they're dependent on me, they don't learn how to be dependent on God. And they live independent of God and their life will not be everything that God wanted them to be. That's our job. We got to disciple them in that way. Now, there's another man who, who understood this concept that, that we have to disciple our children to live a life of wisdom according to God's word. In fact, I love what he did. This man, this man is so smart. Let me tell you what he did. He sat down and he thought about it and he pinned out an entire book teaching his son how to live a life of wisdom. Many of you have read it. It's the book of Proverbs. 
Solomon 25 times in 31 chapters says, listen, my son, and obey my wisdom. (laughs) 25 times he tells his son, hey, here's wisdom, live according to it. He's saying, son, I want you to be characterized by this. So here's what I want to do, guys. I'm gonna take this question that God's burned into my soul and I wanna take Proverbs chapter three, one through six, which is very similar to Matthew uh, seven. And I want us to break this down and break our question down, okay? So look with me at at Proverbs chapter three, verses one and two. And and here's what I wanna do. I wanna look at the first part of the rear view mirror question. Here's the first part of the rear view mirror question. is the, and think about in the moment, in the moment, okay, is the decision I'm making one that I want to see reflected in my child's life down the road? Is the decision I'm making today, right now, whether it's financial decision, relationship decision, uh, uh, career decision, some t- decision around integrity, whatever that decision, is that a decision I want to see reflected in my child's life down the road? Look at Proverbs 1 and 2. Solomon says, my son, don't forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart. For they, look at the, look at the, look at the consequence. He says, if you do that, they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Now, Matthew chapter seven, Jesus wrapped up his sermon on the Mount by saying, hey, I want the wisdom of my teaching to characterize your life. And this is exactly what Solomon is telling his son. He said, put those commands, this this wisdom I'm giving you, put that in your heart because I want it to characterize your decision-making. I want you to be characterized by my making wise decisions. Now dads, we face a lot of decisions every day. You got a job, people that rely on you. You're making decisions, whether to hire, whether to fire. You're making decisions uh, of um, uh, how much money you need to make and what to buy and what not to buy. And uh, you're making decisions, simple decisions, where to go to lunch, where to go to breakfast, who to meet with, who not to meet with. I mean, you, how much TV to watch, what TV shows to watch. I mean, there's a lot of decisions we make every day. And here's what we have to understand especially the small decisions. Our children have a front row seat watching us make decisions on a daily basis. And the way I make decisions will influence the way my children make decisions. And so I have to look in the rear view mirror and look at myself and say, what decisions am I making? And is that reflective of the type of decisions I want my children to make? Are the decisions I'm making, is that helping build a a foundation of wisdom in my children's decision making? Now, look back at the verse, because I want you to see what Solomon says. Here's what happens when we make wise decisions. He says, those decisions, that wisdom will prolong your life many years, bring you peace and prosperity. Now, in the church, We're very familiar with, hey, God will bless your life. Obey him, he'll bless your life. You know, he'll give you peace. But but I want you to notice this other part. He will prolong your life many years. So I want to talk to you for a minute about something. Can I be honest with you? It doesn't seem very spiritual what I'm getting ready to say. But what I'm getting ready to talk to you about is one of the most spiritual decisions you will ever make and you make it on a daily basis. It's a significant spiritual decision. And and it will impact what Solomon's talking about, the prolonging or the shortening of your life. 
And it's a decision that I was extremely unwise about for the first 40 years of my life. And that was my nutritional decisions. My daily nutritional decisions. First Corinthians 10, Paul tells us, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, would you do that for the glory of God? I, I didn't understand that. And so I remember I was standing on the front row of church service. PowerPoint was going on. You know, there was pictures, some sort of slideshow. I look at Cindy and I said, who's that man up there? And she said, that's you. I said, that is not me. <laughs> you mean that's me? And she said, yeah, that's you. And I was like, oh my gosh. I didn't know I'd gotten to this place where I was, I knew I felt horrible. I was overweight. I was unhealthy. I was having some, a severe health issue. But here's what's worse. Here's what's worse. I was coming home from work. I'd get home at 5.30. I would lay down on the couch and my kids would say, daddy, daddy, let's play, let's play. I was so tired, I would reach down and pick up a ball and I would throw it. I'd say, go get the ball and bring it back to daddy. <laughs> That's how tired and stressed I was. That's the condition of my health at 40 years old. And I begin to think, if this is me at 40, what's me at 80? What's me at 50? And I knew something had to change. Can, can I take you back to those days 16 years ago? And show you the day in the life of, of Mac Lake, okay? Just to be real honest. I'd start my day with the captain. I mean, you got to start your day with the captain. So this was, this was breakfast for me. So I would, I would make me a big old bowl of, not just a small bowl, a big old bowl of Captain, captain Crunch. Lunchtime, McDonald's. Yeah, McDonald's and a big sweet tea, big Mac fries and, and a sweet tea. So that, that was lunch for me. All right, midway through the day, not feeling like myself. So hang, here you go, Snickers satisfies. And so I give me a Snickers bar and I eat these Snickers, I'd feel better. Had peanuts in it, so I thought it was healthy. <laughs> All right, oh my goodness, Cindy Lake is one of the best cooks you will ever, ever meet. And so she would make me fried chicken. She made me fried chicken, coleslaw, and a biscuit. Does that look good? Yeah, I'd give it to you, but I need it for next service. All right, so... <laughs> That was, that was supper. And of course, you got to wash it down with some good old Mountain Dew, right? And so I washed it down with good old, good old Mountain Dew. Now, let me show you something. Check this out. 4,090 calories in this day's meal. 4,000 calories. At my size, my daily caloric need is 22 to 2,400 calories. So I was almost doubling it. Now, the other thing, in that 2,400 caloric needs, there are certain vitamins and minerals that I need for my body to function the way God wants it to function because he designed my body a certain way. And I was not getting the nutritional vitamins, all those things that I need from this meal. And then 332 grams of sugar, which is the equivalent of 83 spoonfuls of sugar in one day. This, this was one day of my diet. And that's why I felt the way I did. And that's why I had no energy. And that's why I developed some of the physical problems that I developed. And, 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 and guys, I gotta tell you, the United States is leading the way in many areas, but we're leading the way in diabetes, heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's. They've discovered that the overconsumption of sugar increases your insulin to levels that it is literally killing brain cells. We are leading 
we are leading one of the leading nations in Alzheimer's today. Alzheimer's and other nations that don't have a Western diet with filled with processed foods aren't getting Alzheimer's. But Alzheimer's and depression uh, are, are caused by an overconsumption of, of sugar. And so are the decisions I'm making, are the nutritional decisions, are the decisions of how I'm using time, are the decisions how I'm spending money, are the decisions, those decisions, is that what I want to see reflected in my children's life 10, 15, 20 years from now? The Journal of American Diabetic Association said that 40% of daily calories for children between two years old and 18 years old, 40% of their calories are from sugar and unhealthy fats. Kids two to 18, they're not getting the nutritional value that God has put in what he's created to help us live the life that he wants us to have. And we're modeling poor nutritional decisions for our children. So are the decisions I'm making as I look at myself, ones I wanna see reflected in my children's future. All right, as Dr. Hendricks used to say, that's a little too convicting, so let's move on, all right? I remember one time, he, he, uh, we were in, uh, I was in seminary class. <clears throat> he said, gentlemen, you want me to teach you how to extend your ministry by 15 years? I pulled out my pen. Oh, give it to me, prof. Tell me how we do it. He said, eat right and exercise every day. That's all you got. <laughs> all right, number two, number two, here it is. Proverbs three and four. Here's the question. Is the attitude I'm displaying one that I wanna see reflected in my children's attitude down the road? Proverbs three and four, look at it. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now look at the result. There's a result. Then you will win the favor and good name in the sight of God and man. Solomon's saying, hey, son, son, listen. I want you to have an attitude of love, have an attitude of faithfulness. The words are better translated kindness and consistency. So what he's really saying is, son, I want you to have a consistency in attitude, a kind attitude that is consistent in the way you interact with others. Now, you and I both know that out of everything, what goes south on us quicker than anything is our attitude, right? I mean, somebody crosses us, somebody lets us down, somebody criticizes us. Attitudes can go south really, really quick. And that's why we have to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and his wisdom. So that our attitudes can be characterized by one of wisdom. Now, let, let's do a, Let's do a quick self-assessment. We're going to do this really fast, okay? So just think in your mind. And I want you to grade yourself A, B, C, D, or F, okay? Back in school. And, and I, I'm doing the same thing. And I want you to think about your attitude. What's your attitude about your work right now? A, B, C, D, or F. What's your attitude about your boss right now? How, how would you score your attitude? A, B, C, D, or F. Kids, what's your attitude towards your parents right now? Your teachers. What's your attitude towards your finances right now? What's, what's your attitude towards your situation right now? How would you grade your attitude towards your church right now? How would you grade your attitude towards your in-laws right now? <laughs> so what's our attitude? We all know it can go south really, really quick. And there's no other time it can go bad more 
than, than when we're in conflict with somebody. So here's what I used to do with my kids, drove them nuts, but it was good for them. So I'd be in a room and next thing you know, I would hear daddy, 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 familiar noise, right? Daddy, daddy, daddy. And they would come running in there. Daddy, Bree hit me or whatever it is they're fussing about. And so Bree would come in, daddy, daddy, daddy. And she'd come running in. I'd say, oh, oh, time out, time out. Cause they wanted me to be the referee. I wasn't involved, but all of a sudden they got me involved. Here's what I do. All right, you sit here, you sit here. Jordan, tell Brianna why you're upset with him. Well, daddy, he, she did this. She, I, no, 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 no. You talk to her. Don't talk to me. You don't have a problem with me. You got a problem with her. Talk to her. Well, Brianna, you, and daddy, she also did that. Oh, no, no, you talk to her. No, talk to me. And so finally he would start talking to her. And then I'd say, okay, Brianna, you tell Jordan why you're upset with him. And she'd go, daddy, daddy, I, no, no, don't talk to me. You talk to him. And eventually with a little bit of coaching, they'd start talking to each other. Their attitude would begin to change and they would work it out. And then they'd look at each other and go, sorry, sorry. You know how it is, you know? I go, no, no, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Because here's what I taught them. Conflict always ends in an embrace. Always ends in an embrace. And so finally they get to this point, they hug each other and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because you see, here's what I wanted them to learn. I wanted them to have an attitude and understand that conflict always leads to greater levels or should always lead to greater levels of intimacy. And it will when we handle conflict with the right attitude. Conflict deepens your intimacy. It deepens your understanding of each other. Because so many times when it comes to conflict with our spouse or with other people around us, our attitude is dysfunctional. And when our attitude is dysfunctional, we're modeling something for our children and they're gonna have dysfunctional attitudes when they begin to relate to others as well. So we have to ask the question, are the attitudes I see in myself ones I wanna see reflected in my children down the road? Third question. Proverbs five and six is, is from there. Is the dependence on God I'm demonstrating one that I wanna see reflected in my children's dependence on God down the road? Is the dependence on God that I'm demonstrating one I wanna see reflected in my children down the road? Look at Proverbs three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and what? What's the outcome? And he will make your paths straight. Now, Solomon, this wise dad tells his son, hey, I want you to trust God with everything in you. Just like Jesus does in Matthew chapter seven, he says, guys, trust this wisdom, put it into practice, let it characterize you and you will build a strong life. And Solomon's telling the same thing to his sons. And dads, I gotta tell you, the model that we set in our dependence on God is one of the biggest factors that will influence our children. Your level of dependence. But here, here's one of the things. I believe it's a mistake we make sometimes. We hide our children from our problems. You have to be discerning about this. Please understand. But we don't want our kids to, to know any of our problems. But you see, when you display your problems in front of your children at the appropriate level, you're putting God's power and wisdom on display for them to see. If I never allow them to see me struggle, if I never allow them to see my problems, then they never see me trust God in a tangible way. So I wanna be real with my kids. I'm gonna say, hey, listen, everything's gonna be fine. We're trusting God. But daddy just lost his job. And you know what? We're gonna see God work. 
And when you put, when you display your problems at the appropriate level, you are putting the power and wisdom of God on display for your children to see. And that alone will have a powerful impact on your kids. It's one of the most powerful ways you can disciple your children. So dads, this question can help us. This question can help us in so many ways. Are, are, the, are the decisions I'm making ones I want to see reflected in my children? Are the attitudes I'm displaying ones I want to see reflected in my children? Are, are, are the, is the uh, dependence on God ones I want to see reflected in my children? It's so important. You'll know, I didn't do this on purpose. You'll notice it spells dad. Because uh, every time you get in a car, I want you to look at your rearview mirror. And I want you to understand, hey, I'm looking at myself and as a dad, I want to be a good dad. And these, this question will help you just no matter where you're at as a dad, help you get a little bit better. I, I want to help define what my kids look like in the future. So I'm going to look at myself because I want to see what they're going to look like down the road. And so this question is so crucial because listen, <laughs> I know like many of you, the truth that my children will not be in my home forever. God's given them to me for a season to disciple while I have them but I won't have them forever. And the reality of that hit me two years ago when my daughter said, daddy, will you perform my wedding? Here's what I told her. Brie, it was 20. This is the hard part. It was 20 years ago that a doctor took you from your mother's womb and he placed you in my hands. To be exact, it was 7,474 days ago. 179,379 hours ago. 10,763,220 minutes ago. 645,793,200 seconds, give or take a few, that a doctor put you in my arms, and handed you over to me. And it was one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given me. It's the honor to to raise a little girl. But the difficult thing about such a great gift is it's only yours for a short time. Michael, when God handed her to me, God told me to provide and protect her for a season. He asked you to provide and protect for a lifetime. God told me to help her start well. God's asking you to help her finish well. God asked me to just help her discover a relationship with Christ. And he's asking you to help her develop a fully devoted relationship to Christ in her life. So Michael, just as God handed her to me, I now hand her to you. One of the greatest gifts I've ever, ever been given. So I ask that you cherish every day, every week, every hour, every minute, and every second, just as I have. You see, Michael, I knew it would take an uncommon man to give her an uncommon love that she desires and deserves. So I give her to you because I love you, because I trust you, because I believe in you. And therefore, I entrust you to take her and love her with the uncommon love of God.
And Bree, God's given you an uncommon, godly man. And as you make the uncommon choices of pursuing God daily and serving Him selflessly, you will experience love that many don't get to experience in marriage. I love you. proud of you. So dads... Dads, that day is going to come. And so my Father's Day gift to you this morning is one question. It's the rear view mirror question. And I give you this because every single time you get in your car, I, I just want you to look in the mirror and say, God, are the decisions I'm making, the attitudes I'm displaying, and the dependence I'm demonstrating. Is that what you want to see in my kids? Because if it's not, God, would you redirect me? I want to be pliable in your hands. And as I look at myself in this mirror, God, I recognize that I'm the biggest model and disciple maker for my children. So God, I look in this mirror and would you help me to be everything that you want me to be for my children's sake? So dads, what's your next step? Some of you, some great, great dads. You just need to pick one of those areas and maybe just turn it up just a notch. And some of you have been straying away a little bit. Next step is to say, hey, God, let's refresh this thing. Father's Day is a great day to do it. So God, I'm I'm re-surrendering myself to you. I give myself to you. God, help me in this area. And then for others of you, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You're like the the man that's building his house on the sand. And when when troubles come, it's just going to cause trouble to you. And so for you, on this Father's Day, maybe it's time for you to surrender to the Heavenly Father and say, God, forgive me my sins. I, I, I recognize you died for me and I surrender my life to you. If you've never made that decision, make that decision today. Go out front and there's folks that would love to talk to you about and guide you in that decision, how to have a walk with Christ that'll just transform your life. Let's pray. God, thanks for the opportunity to just spend some time in your word, spend some time together as church. Thanks for the challenge you've given us. And God, I pray that you would take these things and just encourage us today and and bring back to me, your Holy Spirit, bring back to mind in small, subtle ways, just so that we can take one step one, one small next step to, to grow in our likeness of you. And I pray, Father, that as we do, our kids will see it and it will have an indelible impact on their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.